It is Monday afternoon. Noah Rubin and I are going live talking about week 15, some injury news to catch up on. We'll look at the schedule and just exactly what are the Grizzlies doing in Memphis. This is Fantasy Basketball International. This is Balls Deep. I think you've become bad. Almost as if something is moving below us. Act a little peculiar and you're an outsider. Perhaps you've always been bad. We are programmed to bring you a live broadcast from the West to Funk, but now resurrected lost cards. Don't you feel it? Brego. Welcome to the Balls Deep Podcast, part of the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Uh, it is, what is today? It is Monday, the 29th of January, heading into week 15 of Fantasy Basketball. Uh, a couple of leagues I'm in are already in the playoffs. Um, wasn't aware of that in one of the leagues. Probably should have gone a little bit harder, given I finished ninth. <laughs> Top eight made the, the playoffs. Uh so there you go. Follow. I didn't follow my own advice and and check the the rules and the regulations around my league. And yeah, probably could have made the playoffs and didn't. So um, that's all right. I've got plenty of other leagues to look at and to focus on. Noah, uh, good afternoon. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing well, Adam. And if I'm not mistaken, if the league you're talking about is the auction draft we did, and you <laughs> finished ninth at six and seven. The seventh place team was six and seven. Yeah. Seven through 10 were six and seven. I was 11th at five, seven and one. So I was also kind of disappointed. I didn't realize that the playoffs were about to start because I was, I think I had won a handful of games in a row, like was finally playing well. But the team was awful to start the season. But yeah, yeah, I was pretty caught off guard by that as well. But I guess that kind of goes back to uh, knowing the rules of your league, <laughs> which is something that, you know, you should do that we should do. But I guess we just didn't, but we, hey, we did it not. was fun. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, talk to B-Dub about that. I question why the playoffs <laughs> are starting now. I'm sure, he, I'm sure he told us when he set up the league. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, as I said, well, I'm in so many leagues that it doesn't really matter. I've got plenty of other stuff to do. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to have a look at, at the next seven days, what's coming up, um, some news. I sent you a few dot points this morning. Uh, just touching on the schedule, it, it is a pretty heavy slate this week. So chances are you're going to have to make some lineup decisions starting today. We've got 12 games uh, for Monday night, five for Tuesday, 10 for Wednesday, four for Thursday, 10 for Friday, six for Saturday and nine for Sunday. So sort of on off in terms of um, uh, heavy schedules if if your game if your league uh, does have a games cap like we do in the industry pickup, uh, Mitch Casey and I discussed this last night yesterday uh, when we did our recap of the industry pickup for the week. Um, yeah, you're gonna have to make some decisions, I, I think, on on who to bench and and who not to bench. Uh, and if you've got any Grizzlies players, good luck because they just seem to be rolling the injuries out uh, at the moment. Anyone that's playing moderately decent is just given the night off. Hey, you can't be playing this well when we're trying to lose games. So their injury report uh, now, well, for, for tonight. Uh, yeah, for tonight. So Luke Kennard is out, I believe. Um, after he had started to find some good form, they've gone no. Uh, 
we don't need you hitting threes for us. So he's out with a knee, with knee soreness. Uh, Vince Williams, who is obviously playing really good as a as a pickup um, in all fantasy leagues, is now questionable with knee soreness. Uh, very general in- injuries here. Zaire Williams is doubtful with left hand soreness. Uh, John Conchar, who has been putting together some interesting numbers, not scoring a lot, but he does uh, a little bit on the defensive end and gets some out-of-position rebounds, some assists. He's doubtful with a left ankle sprain. Uh, And then, of course, we've got Marcus Smart out and Desmond Bain out and and all the other guys out. So are are they just tanking at this point? Because I know early in the season we sort of talked about uh, their record was, was pretty average when Jar was out to open the season, then Marcus Smart went down, then he came back and Jar came back and everyone thought, okay, here we go. They're going to try and push now to get into the playing spot. Are we just beyond that now? Like, is this this season's just done, surely? It has to be. I mean, I don't blame them at all for tanking, even if it is kind of early. And who knows? It could just be that guys have minor injuries and they're saying, hey, like, we don't have much to play for. Let's get... Gigi Jackson minutes. Let's get Scottie Pippen Jr. minutes. I was a little surprised that Vince Williams found himself in the injury report because he's young, still relatively inexperienced, but hasn't playing really well. So in my opinion, uh, not it's not like, I guess, the NFL, for example, where there's only 17 games over the course of the season. If you accidentally win one game, it could change your draft spot by a handful of spots. But with the NBA, with the way the lottery works and just being 82 games, I think it ends up evening itself out. So hopefully they won't actually be like full on tanking for the final two months and a week or a week or two weeks of the season. So I don't know. Hopefully this isn't something that just continues every single night, but I mean, it kind of seems like it, but that does open minutes for Gigi Jackson, Scotty Pippen Jr. And I guess other guys, we'll see what happens to the trade deadline. Yeah, so I'm just looking at what their their lineup might look like tonight. Um, yeah, Jacob Gilliard, uh, David Roddy, Santi Aldama is still healthy. Jaron ja- Jaron Jackson's obviously the one. He's just going to do everything. Scotty Pippen yeah. Jr., uh, um, Gigi Jackson, as you said, and maybe Xavier Tillman. So I picked up Xavier Tillman in a few leagues a couple of weeks ago. He had a bit of an injury, came back. I uh, wasn't starting, and I, I was—I sort of thought, okay, this is just a, a ramp-up period. Um, but he has continued to play pretty limited minutes off the bench. But could he start tonight? Like, are they just in a position now where they need to to start him again? Because I'm—I'm really, as I said, we're going to have to make lineup decisions tonight. And I'm one of those decisions for me is whether to start Xavier Tillman or not. Um, I don't know. Like he looked pretty good when he was playing big minutes before he had that minor injury. Yeah. I mean, I think the guys that are now out may not like directly impact him as much because mm. he was already coming off the bench. Now it's guards and wings being ruled out. Then I don't know how much it helps him, but I'm assuming like just for the fact they need more bodies, like his minutes will go up. I think he saw 17 in their last game. Like that has to go up just because they hardly have anybody available. Um, but I think, just back to whether or not they're tanking. I think the one thing that gives me a little bit of hope that they're not just full on pulling the plug in January is that Jaron Jackson Jr. is still playing and it's still mm-hmm. putting up big numbers. So is that their ploy to get him some extra awards, extra numbers, and kind of keep the league off their back as far as how heavily they're tanking and they're going to 
take out the role players, maybe, but I don't know. I think Xavier Tillman is a guy to definitely consider at this point just because they don't have many other options, though. Yeah, uh, tweets just come out. So Joel Embiid is out tonight as mm-hmm. well against um, Portland, I believe. Yeah, not a good go team. Go and get, get Paul Reed because he was really good in the last game. And DeAndre Ayton is by no means a defensive juggernaut. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we have seen this before where Embiid is out and Reed doesn't get the minutes that we want him to get, but he had 30 and... 11 in the last game, I want to say, something like that. Um, so if he's available, I, I would certainly go and consider. I know it is a night where we've got 12 games, but he could definitely be one of the best 10 players on your roster tonight if he starts and plays big minutes against DeAndre Atten and Duop Reith. Uh, so, yeah, just something that's popped up there. Yeah. He um, had 30, 30 points and 13 rebounds against 13 Denver. rebounds, okay. Yep. So, I mean, um, yeah. Yeah, so give him a look. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton. So he he's potentially returning tomorrow uh, in tomorrow's game. He came back, obviously, oh, I want to say a week ago, a um, bit over a week ago maybe, played in a back-to-back, and then he missed a week. And they said, oh, this is injury maintenance. That's not injury maintenance. That's We rushed him back too quick and he's pulled up sore. So... Is there any hesitation here in rolling him out if he does play tomorrow night? It is a low-volume night, so that sort of makes that decision a little bit easier in terms of sitting and starting. But if you've got him in your IR spot, would you consider leaving him in there just for a game to see how healthy he is, how many minutes he he plays? Or is he good enough that you just have to activate him? Because even if he plays 25 minutes, he's going to put up numbers. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's the type of talent that Tyrese Halliburton is. is He's one of, if not the best, no, I'd say he's one of the best fantasy point guards, one of the best real point guards in the entire NBA. So, yeah, I don't think that they're going to risk his health again. I don't think they're going to continue to send him out early, risk further injury, and then just pulling him out and saying, oh, he's hurt again. Like, I think they'll be a little bit more patient this time, make sure he's actually all good. But like you said, if he plays 25 minutes, if he plays 30 minutes, that's more than enough time for him to get a 20 point 10 assist night at least. So yeah, I think that he's a guy that you definitely can't leave on the IR. He's just too talented, even if they're in Boston, not an easy game, but Mm. I think that he's, he's too good. And, and I suppose with him back, Andrew Nembhard has been pretty good over the last week. I picked him up in one spot. TJ McConnell was out last night due to personal reasons and I think he's questionable for the next game. Is Nembhard someone that you'd be holding just just for a couple of games until we sort of until we see and we're convinced that Halliburton is back and playing uh starters minutes again? Yeah, I think I'd have no problem holding him on the bench, especially, you know, with there being 12 games signed. I know you said it's a, a lighter night tomorrow, but hmm. keeping him around just until we're 100 percent sure that Tyrese Halliburton is back, then look at the minutes. And then I think personally that if Tyrese Halberton's good, he plays 33 or so minutes in a, assuming it's a close game or close enough that he plays the whole time, I'm fine to drop him hard. Like he's not a guy that I have to keep around, but if you have the roster spot, maybe hanging on to him for an extra game, but not, if you, if you need to drop him, pick somebody else up, I think it's fine because they also do have TJ McConnell uh, who, like you said, was out for their last game. Nimhard played 37 minutes. I think he had, significantly 
or played significantly more minutes in their last game as well. But McConnell being there and then Tyrese Halliburton factor, and it's just not enough for him to be kept around in like standard size leagues. Yeah, look, I'm I'm going to hold him for yeah one or two games and just see. And and if by the end of the week Halliburton's back to 34 minutes and no issues, and it looks like he's moved past that injury, then I'll just drop Nembhard. Um, so I'll just pop up a question that we've got here from Shaq 2K. How likely is it that Fultz plays the back to back today? Safe to assume he is out. I hope he plays. Uh, he's questionable, I believe. So so they haven't ruled him out. They're probably going to see how he goes in the pregame stuff, uh, see how the knee is holding up. Um, yeah, look, I, I think he's trending towards playing back-to-backs soon. Whether that's tonight, I don't know. But the fact that he's questionable, uh, he looked pretty good yesterday. Do you? I mean, it's it's hard to know. We're obviously we're not in there with the team and watching them and that sort of thing. But how likely do you think it is that he plays today? Is there a chance? I think there's a chance. I don't think it's a good one though. If we're looking at it, since he's kind of returned from his long absence, he's missed both of their back to backs, but played in every other game. And then looking back at the beginning of the season, it's kind of interesting. Played the first four games with the last two being a back to back, then missed three games, played in one game, and then was out almost two months. So yeah. they could have looked at it as, Hey, we played him over 30 minutes in a back-to-back in each leg of it. So we're just going to try and not do that moving forward so we can have him around. Could that be, you know, directly related or correlated? Maybe not. Maybe it's just coincidence that that happened after back-to-back, but I think it's something that just given his injury history and how long he was out, that it's probably a, a little bit longer before they let him play back-to-backs if they do it all this regular yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, he, and he did look good yesterday. Had five steals, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so in terms of his production, he's getting there. He's getting back to what we need him to do. But um, yeah, look, I think we'll have to wait. I mean, I'm assuming they have an early game. I haven't got the where are we? Orlando are playing oh, at Dallas, so it's probably about a uh, what eight p.m. Eastern game, maybe eight thirty um, U.S. time. So midday for me. Uh, so you may not know before lineups lock tonight if they're not in one of those first games. So this is probably, a, if, if we haven't heard anything by the first tip uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern, it's probably a situation where I would leave him on the bench tonight. Um, and Because even if he does play any sign, anything, even if it's just a tweak or, oh, I just felt something, they'll just pull him out and and... He, he might only play 15 minutes anyway. So um, just on injury reporting, now I didn't send this to you, I don't think. No, I didn't. The So Jabari Smith has been taken off the injury report for tonight. Um, and so exciting, assuming he's playing. This has happened twice, I want to say, in the last three games where he's been removed from the injury report and then he's added back to the injury report as questionable and ultimately ruled out. Um, and I don't know. I feel like I've noticed this a little bit more this season where teams are just being a little bit more casual with their injury reporting and guys are getting ruled out late. There seem to be a lot more late scratches this year than there have been previously. I, I don't know whether that's just because I've got more of these guys on my rosters or whether this is this a thing. Is this happening in the league? 
It really does seem like it. And I, I was also having the same thoughts of, is it just me having different players on my teams this year? Because in the FBI World Cup, I had Joel Embiid and really needed him to play on Saturday for me to have a chance to win. He didn't play. Trey Murphy's another guy who hasn't played in a back-to-back. Uh, based on tweets I was reading, I didn't actually double-check that, but I'm fairly certain he hasn't played in a back-to-back this season, or at least since returning from injury. And he was cleared to play and then didn't suit up, or excuse me, suited up, didn't see the floor, just kind of a DNP coach's decision. Trey Murphy too talented for them to just simply not report it if they'd have no intention of mm. playing him. And then I saw uh, that there was reports that the league was going to look into Joel Embiid getting ruled out like 15 minutes before tip off, because I have Joel Embiid in like three leagues and I couldn't do a thing about it, which was, you know, kind of annoying. I almost lost in a league just because I think I won uh, by like one assist in a league, just like with Joel Embiid sitting in my starting lineup. Cause I, I'm pretty sure actually the same thing happened with Cade Cunningham yesterday. Cause I had Cade mm. and Joel Embiid in the same league. Um, in a dynasty league and had almost lost my matchup because I had both of them sitting in the lineup and thought they were cleared to play. And then they didn't. So it, I think you got me in a little bit of a rant, but yeah, no, it it feels like it's been worse this year. And I think that, you know, I understand that the teams are, I guess, trying to maintain competitive advantages and, you know, it's not as much of a priority to people who aren't into fantasy or gambling or, trying to just get tickets to a game. So it may not be as much of a priority to everybody, but I think having clear injury reports and just having clear communication improves the things that are going to make the league money and profit the league. So in order to have a better league, having these things be factored in and taken seriously just kind of helps everyone. It's not like a, oh, I wanted to win my fantasy league and you guys didn't tell me like I'm mad about that. Like I just think like it generally benefits the league. Yeah, and I heard uh, Josh Lloyd went on a similar rant. So yeah. You're not alone there with That's your rant and, and about the fact that, yes, the NBA players, the coaches, medical stuff, they don't care about fantasy. They don't play fantasy. They don't watch it. But gambling is a big space in America, and, and it's a space that the NBA is trying to move into a bit more. Mm-hmm. But with injury reporting like this, you're just going to lose in- People are going to lose interest because it's so hard to know who are we going to put in our DFS lineup? Who am I going the over on tonight? Because I'm not going to know until five minutes before tip-off. Um, so, yeah, like, although it's it's obviously not all about fantasy, I, I do think the NBA mm-hmm. needs to step in here if they want to just improve the product and and get into that gambling space a bit more um, because it's, it's pretty lucrative and obviously NFL is very big yes. in that space uh, as they are in fantasy. And, yeah, I, I just think it's... Like again, like Josh said, it's a it's a pretty simple fix. Just put some rules and regulations in around the injury reporting, um, because it, yeah, NFL don't they very rarely rule out a player five minutes before a game mm-hmm. because of whatever. So yeah, look, it's 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 frustrating and, and rant over from you and little rant from me. Um, <laughs> although on that, Dejounte Murray, uh, some talking of people who are ruled out late um, and who could have. Won me a, a matchup uh, in industry pickup. I ended up losing by 17 points, and, and I was pretty confident DeJounte would have scored more than 17 points yesterday. But he was uh, downgraded to questionable with a hamstring injury, which came out of nowhere. There'd been no mention of a hamstring injury 
whether he heard it getting out of bed or getting on into their little luxury plane and flying to wherever they were playing. <laughs> to me, this might have something to do with the trade rumours and, and him um, wanting out of Atlanta, that sort of thing. But then you said there was a tweet that came out this morning that Quinn Snyder is encouraging the team or the organisation to hold on to DeJounte what are your thoughts on him? I guess on this injury, was this is this a real injury? We we don't know, and and I think this is more me being spiteful because he cost me a, a matchup. But is do we still think he's on the on the move somewhere? And if not, does it make sense to keep him in Atlanta? Because I, I I'm not sure he's a great fit alongside Trey Young. Yeah, and I, I think so. First of all, the uh, the quote was from Mark Stein. His reporting said leak sources say Quinn Snyder is lobbied for the Hawks to keep DeJounte Murray. So pretty interesting because there was also DeJounte DMing a fan that had, I guess, tweeted about him. This was kind of my understanding based on reading two tweets was that this at one for ice underscore Trey on, on Twitter had tweeted something about DeJounte Murray and he like went off in a DM talking about not caring about stats and uh being told one thing in practice and being used a different way it was pretty interesting and then also pretty interesting for reportedly quinn snyder to have lobbied for keeping dejounte murray after i guess dejounte kind of threw him under the bus very interesting dynamic but yes the hamstring injury coming out 90 minutes i believe before tip-off was Mm. interesting i think (laughs) that it's easy to speculate based on a number of trade rumors and that the tweets and I think he had also maybe this was after the game uh commented on somebody's Instagram I believe it was uh just expressing other frustrations about defense just he's never had a issue uh talking on social media I remember before no. the Hawks traded for him just like a couple weeks before it because I was following that uh I guess whether that was going to happen or not he had been tweeting and responding to uh Instagram comments for Spurs fans so Pretty interesting. I mean, he's always had the social media presence uh, to be able to freely speak his mind. So as far as the injury, could it be real? Maybe. But he hadn't missed a game yet this season. And like you said, was not on the injury report before 90 minutes before when he was questionable and then ruled out shortly before. We don't know for sure, obviously, but I think it's definitely fishy. Um, I think – the Hawks only play three games this week, and I, they don't play tonight. I don't remember if they play Tuesday or not. They do, uh, yeah. They play the Lakers on Tuesday. Okay. Uh, and then they've got a back-to-back <laughs> Friday, Saturday. Interesting. So, okay, so that's in Atlanta. So it's not like they play the Lakers in L.A. and then he just wouldn't have to go anywhere because – I mean, I, there was also tweets saying that the Lakers and Hawks conversations have stalled, but a week and a half before the trade deadline, a lot can change between now and then. So it'll be an interesting audition. Uh, we'll see if he plays or not. And if how aggressive he is with the ball, if he's trying to get the Lakers to trade for him, just a lot of things to speculate over that we really have no idea about. So, yeah, yeah, that was a lot of words to say, not very much, but um, I'm no, sorry no, that you lost look, your fantasy matchup. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, look, it was, yeah, we, I won't go into that. That'll lead us <laughs> down a rabbit hole. We don't need to go down. Uh, so, yes, they do play tomorrow, the Hawks. And, and then potentially that could be his last game uh, for Atlanta because the, the, their next game is uh, Friday. No, sorry, what am I thinking of? No, this week. So no, then they've yeah the trade deadlines next week. I keep getting dates mixed up. Um, 
yeah, so a couple more games uh, and then, yeah, the trade deadline is a week away. So, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting week to see what happens with DeJounte. Um, just reading here, because I was thinking of this when I spoke about Joel Embiid earlier, how many, how close is he to that cutoff for the, the awards this season? Oh, so yeah. he can only miss... I'm assuming this is not including tonight. So after he misses tonight's game, he can only miss five more games all year um, if he wants That's to right. make that or, or hit that uh, threshold of 65 games for, for awards. So, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting to see what they do with him and how high a priority that is uh, for him this season after winning it last season. Uh, on player injuries, Ben Simmons, another guy that's back tonight after his, well, his injury that wasn't serious and he's not going to miss much time. And here we are, what, two months, two and a half months later, and, and he's finally back. Do we add him? Do we, do we go and pick him up? Um, I mean, we have zero confidence at this point that he's going to play more than 15 minutes or more than about four games. So there, there's no, uh, I don't think we're picking him up, um, hoping that he's going to get back to being a top 50 player and he's going to be healthy. But the Nets have been pretty bad. They've lost 17 of their last 22, I think I read. So Ooh. they're really looking for anything at the moment. And Spencer Dinwiddie has been average, to say the least, I would say. Uh, Dennis Smith has been all right off the bench, but nothing special. So do, are we adding Ben Simmons? Is he someone worth grabbing in standard leagues? Well, B-Dub dropped 35 fab to get him on Friday, dropped on Ben Thompson in industry pickup. So you, he at least has one fan um, in the mm. industry pickup league in B-Dub. So I think, uh, I don't know, I haven't gone to pick him up anywhere despite knowing he's playing tonight. I just think that he's not a guy, I mean, like, Obviously, he was really good when he was healthy, but I think the past few years just kind of makes me say, like, even if he plays, like, how many minutes is he going to play? Like, how well is he going to play? Like, how aggressive is he going to play? Is he going to be scared to shoot again? Because that was an issue there for a little while where he was a liability because he just refused to shoot the ball, even if he was able to contribute numbers in other areas. So I uh, now that, you know, it's kind of funny, lost the FBI World Cup and then that other league didn't make the playoffs, I believe I – that uh, industry pickup is my only active redraft league and okay. B-Dub was able to get him. So I don't have Ben Simmons anywhere. I understand if you're able to make the move just for the upside and kind of need that swing, but he's not somebody that I'm like, okay, go drop a ton of fab on him. Go drop a rosterable guy that you want to keep for the rest of the season on Ben Simmons. Yeah, I think – I mean, this is why you have your last roster spot, your your thirteenth spot or your twelfth or however deep your your rosters are. Mm -hmm. Is is for a situation like this. Let's grab him. Let's see what he does. Right. He might play twenty minutes. He might give you six assists, six rebounds, and two steals, and and that's really all you're adding him for. So, uh, yeah, look, I think if you've got that roster spot, if you can take a little bit of a risk, he's probably worth adding just to see what happens. Um, Another injury uh, player going the other way who who is going to miss some time here is Julius Randle. Uh, so I got up this morning and I read some quick stuff. It looks like it's, it's on the better end of the news spectrum uh, in that there isn't significant damage. So we're probably looking at two weeks minimum. I think it's probably closer to four. But... 
OG Ananobi, I think he probably gets a pretty significant bump here. Um, and he's been really good anyway. So could be a bit of a, well, a buy low potentially at the moment if you can get him for a top 50 player because he could be top 30 theoretically over the next month. But if you do have him, maybe there's a sell high opportunity coming up in a couple of weeks if he can continue on that trajectory up. And Josh Hart is probably the other player that, if he's available, um, I would consider adding him. I picked him up in industry pickup for a hundred dollars, just because I'm really, I just need all the production I can get at the moment in that league. Um, what are your thoughts, I guess, on 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 uh, Josh Hart? Because his season has been pretty inconsistent. He's been one of these guys who's on and off waiver wise. Is he someone that we probably need to roster for the next month? I think so. I think that he is the guy that takes out or takes on that fifth starting spot, uh, takes over for Julius Randle with just kind of a smaller lineup that works because he does a lot of things that taller players do. Like he's a really good rebounder for his height. So I think it, it fits with what they want to do, but um, I think his all around game also makes him appealing in fantasy. So I think he is the guy that's going to benefit the most and he's going to be able to be a really, really productive player. I have no problem with what like you dropped uh, as far as Fab goes to get him on your team because he's really freaking good. Um, but as, as far as who else benefits, it's going to be kind of interesting to see because Jalen Brunson was, I guess, 1A or 1B, depending on how you look at it uh, offensively um, with him and Julius Randle being the two main scorers. I don't know how much more he takes home, maybe a little bit. It would be fun to see him just go nuclear for a few weeks until Julius Randle gets back, but we'll see. OG Ananobi, I think I just don't have that much confidence in his offensive game to say he's going to be significantly better um, with Julius Randle out. Like, Yes, I'm assuming they're going to ask him to do more offensively or he's going to be asked to do more offensively. But I think that they're also just going to have to look at other guys like Dante DiVincenzo, Quentin Grimes, just for more offense, just off the fact that they need players to score. I think I'm not a huge Julius Randle fan, but he was obviously one of their best scorers, at least him and uh, Jalen Brunson combined were, and him being a shot creator, being a ball handler for them helped a ton. So we'll have to kind of see. I don't think anybody's like a, a perfect option to step up and kind of be another really, really consistent or really, really good scoring option. I guess Julius Randle wasn't all that consistent, uh, but I think Josh Hart is the guy that benefits the most in fantasy. Yeah, I think if he's available, go and go and grab him. Um, and he's not—he's not, he's not going to be a, a twenty-point scorer, but he'll no. get you close to double-digit rebounds. Uh, he can get you one, one point two, one point three steals, uh, one and a half threes. Percentages aren't terrible, so yeah, someone definitely worth grabbing. I think there. Uh, Evan Mobley also upgraded to questionable for tonight uh, against the Clippers. That usually indicates or, or means that a player is coming back. If, if he goes from not playing for however long it's been to questionable, it's usually that trend, um, barring any setbacks in their pregame stuff, he is probably likely to return. What's the impact here? Obviously, Jared Allen has been playing probably the best basketball of his career over the last month with Mobley out. So he takes a bit of a hit. Um, we're not dropping him, of course. He's still going to be really good. But I think that sell-high opportunity is probably gone now if, if Mobley does come back tonight. Um, but does it impact 
like anyone else that that we were rostering, like we, we've got your Dean Wade and Isaac Okoro, these guys that have probably played a few more minutes, but I mean they were borderline at best anyway. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody that we were really rostering that gets impacted by um, Evan Mobley being back. I'm looking at it just over the last two weeks, actually. It's interesting. Dean Wade has been 76th and George yeah. Yang has been 89th. But I think uh, this is from Basketball Monster, but I think both guys have just been kind of on fire from deep. Uh, same thing with Sam Merrill. But uh, it was Chris Fedor from Cleveland.com uh, had reported that Mobley is expected to be cleared. And that there was a quote from JB Bickerstaff that said it'll probably be a low 20 minutes a night workload uh, to start with. So I think that's kind of, I mean, I would imagine Evan Mobley isn't coming off the bench that he's going to start, but low 20 minutes a night still would give guys like Dean Wade and George Neing the opportunity to see minutes. Uh, obviously they're going to take hits and that probably isn't going to make them worth rostering in standard leagues. Um, maybe if you're in playing in like a really, really deep league and still need a three point boost, then sure. But I think it's going to kind of go back to their, well, until Darius Garland gets back, it'll just be Donovan Mitchell, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley that are for sure things. And then occasionally Karis LeVert, you know, Max Schroes will hit threes and some days he won't. Sam Merrill, who's been on fire kind of recently, I think. Yeah, last game only played 17 minutes, which was kind of disappointing. But I think that's just Cleveland's just an interesting team because when they're fully healthy, there's four really good fantasy players and then some other guys occasionally do something. Um, and as they get healthier, I think that's just going to kind of go back to that. And then the last guy I just wanted to touch on is, is Chet Holmgren. Uh, we've got a couple of questions. We'll get to those very quickly. Um, has he hit a wall? I mean, he was really good to start the season. Both he and Wemby were were very impressive, and, and Chet was sort of had that little advantage in terms of Rookie of the Year voting. Um, the Thunder have obviously been very successful this year, whereas the Spurs have not. Are we like what are we expecting for the the last six weeks here in fantasy from Chet? Can he get back to top twenty, or are we looking at him more as a top fifty player? I think maybe like somewhere in the middle of that. I don't know if he'll. I mean, he's still top twenty over the course of the season. But if we're looking at the numbers, uh, his field goal percentage has been kind of lower the past couple of weeks. The free throw percentage has really gone down, which. He doesn't take a ton of them, so it's not a huge impact. But just like looking at the numbers, it's kind of funny seeing over the last week he was 37.5% from the free throw line on two attempts mm-hmm. per game. So that's kind of limiting his value. But he's also been rebounding the ball well the last handful of games. Like he went a long stretch there without getting 10 boards and then has at least 10 in three of his last four games. And the one time they didn't, he had nine. So it's just kind of interesting with this Thunder team playing with a guy that is a rookie that has still been an elite shot blocker, but he hasn't really been that good in many other categories. So I I'd like to say like top 40 top, maybe borderline close to top 30 would be probably the best. I don't think he's top 20, but I don't think he's like down to top 50. Like he's somewhere in the middle of that. Yeah. I think he's, I mean, he's blocks much like we saw from right. Brooke Lopez last year. And then this year, He's, he's if you're looking at just pure ranking and, and and that's it the blocks will keep him up there in that top 50 top 40 range because he's it, it, it's a it's sort of his safety net he's got that to fall back on he's always going to get you close to three blocks a game and and that's that's pretty elite when it comes to um, stat production so yeah I think it's it's probably probably yeah sort of that top 40 range um, 
where I think Wemby has sort of gone in the other direction. He he's upped his production and and his minutes are starting to go back up and he's playing back to backs and uh, yeah. So I think still a really close race for Rookie of the Year. So it will be interesting to see whether the the voters lean. I, I think Wemby's going to get it. Um, yeah, I don't, just, yeah. Just because I, I I don't know. I just I just think because of the. Uh, the hype and who he is and the freaky stuff he's doing and he stands out on that Spurs team, mm-hmm. whereas Chet sort of just fades into the background sometimes on the Thunder because they're so talented. So, yeah, I, I still think it is very close though. Um, all right, so some questions just very quickly and then I'll let you get out of here. Um, in head-to-head categories, what stat levels are considered elite? Because we say, I just said it, um, as a, mm. a purposeful segue – Oh, his blocks are elite. Three blocks is elite. Um, obviously, this depends on your league, on your settings, on your standings. In a deeper league, elite is different to a shallow league. Um, but if you had to look at, um, like, blocks, for example, I think if we look at blocks this season, and I'm just pulling up the numbers here, and, and we spoke about this coming into the season, about how many players we would have averaging at least two blocks this year, we thought it could be up to 10 to 12, yeah. maybe 14 players. Um, and we've actually got, am I on the season? Yeah, I am on the season. So we've actually got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players averaging more than two blocks a game. Uh, and then we've got a few who are, we've got another what six or seven who are above one and a half blocks a game. And I think if like blocks, for example, if you think of blocks, who's elite in blocks? Jaron Jackson's elite in blocks. He's averaging 1.6 this season. So I would still say 1.6 is elite in blocks. Do you is there sort of a threshold for you? Like do you look at if you're a top 20 producer in this category, I would class that as elite or is it I don't know. Is there a is there a generic way to look at this or it's really um, subjective? I think it's entirely subjective, depends on the person. I think your perspective of looking at it as, you know, oh, let's compare it to the rest of the season. Like, is this person the top 12 or player, I guess? Uh, I would just look at it by, I guess, kind of mentally without even really thinking about it. I have thresholds for each uh, category. Um, So like blocks, I'd say in my mind, just like, okay, two blocks, that's elite. A steal and a half, that's elite. I'd say probably like eight or nine assists is elite, but like, this is just my personal like classifications, like 11, 12 rebounds, three, three pointers, like 26, 27 points. Like those are like elite to me, but it could be entirely different just depending on who you ask. Like some people may say, like you said, like 1.6 is elite. Like that's Jaron Jackson. That's what he's averaging. Like that's totally fine to say he's an elite shot blocker. Uh, because one, we've seen what he's done in the past, and two, like we know he's having a down year. He's having to take on more offensive responsibilities. So, I think it's entirely subjective. Kind of depends, but I think it, you know, somebody that's top ten at something in the league is is definitely the elite. Yeah, yeah, and and it also depends on the category itself because some categories right. are a lot easier um, to get. Like blocks uh, are quite rare. You don't have like there's quite a a fall off after you you get past that elite level, whereas there's a lot of players that score over 20 points. So, yeah, it, it, it is very subjective. 
with trade rumors, is it dumb to make a move like trading a player in fantasy because of trade speculation? I have Miles Bridges in a league and saw a rumor that the Suns are very interested. So the question here, I guess, is because Bridges has been really good this year and if he is traded from a situation where he's he's not 1A, but he sort of is 1A because Lamelo doesn't mind deferring at times and Rosier is gone. If he moves to somewhere like Phoenix, they've obviously got uh, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal, who would all be probably Beal, I don't know, Beal maybe not, but at least two of those guys would be clearly ahead of uh, Miles Bridges in the offensive pecking order. So do we try and sell high now on Miles Bridges with a view to him potentially landing in a less favourable spot? Is that something you'd consider doing a week out from the trade deadline? Or, or I mean, we hear so many trade rumours that come to nothing. Would you then regret it if he doesn't get moved? That's uh, the risky part of it all. Like, I think mm. that's, I don't think it's dumb. I think it's just risky because it could pay off. But I'm sure if you're trading with somebody that they're hearing the exact same rumors and you're probably not going to get fair value. They're probably going to say, hey, like, that's like, I'd love to trade for Miles Bridges because, you know, I don't think he gets traded or I don't think he takes that much of a hit. Um, but I'm not going to give you full value because what if, what if that happens? Like, I think it's risky. I'm not one to really do that and speculate based on trades. Um, but I certainly don't blame anybody for doing it because it could work out really well. It could just really backfire. It, it's just, it all kind of depends. I think risky is like the only way to put it. Yeah, so I've just pulled up his numbers. So Bridges is the 43rd ranked player in nine category leagues this season um, per Basketball Monster. So... If you were looking to to trade him off, obviously you go, okay, he's top 40. I want a top 40 player back. But if the manager you're trading him to is fully aware of, yes, he might, you're trying to offload him because you think he's going to Phoenix and he's probably going to be a top 80 player, I might meet you in the middle and give you a top 60 player. And that's a risk because if he doesn't get traded, you've given up a top 40 for a top 60. Um but it could pay off. So, yeah, look, it probably depends on where – with a guy like this because he's he's not a first-rounder, he's not a second-rounder, so you've got your team built around those guys. But if you're in a position where you're third in the standings and you're pretty comfortable and you just need to go, look, I don't think I'm quite good enough to win this year. I need to take a risk. Someone like a Bridges would be, I, I think, a like a, a reasonably – well, risk versus reward, I don't think you you would regret it to the point that, oh, this cost me my league kind of thing. So he, he's not that good, but he's good enough that if you could, uh, yeah, get a better player back. So, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting question uh, this time of year. Could Grimes, so this is going back to our Knicks discussion, could Quinton Grimes be an add in 12 team, nine categories that are each? Is he someone that sees some extra run uh, with Julius Randall out. My initial reaction is probably not, um, but I'm going to pull up some numbers here. What are your thoughts on that question? Yeah, I think even if he does see more minutes, and I'm assuming he will, um, he will see more shots, probably hit some more threes. I don't think that makes him worth rostering a 12-team. I think that if you're looking at you know, maybe like a 16-team or deeper kind of league, then sure, uh, but... Really, I mean, last season he played almost 30 minutes per game, 
gave us 11.3 points, 2.2 threes, 3.2 rebounds, 2.1 assists. Like all of his value is, Hey, I'm going to hit threes and not turn the ball over. Like that's really it. So if you need that, great. Um, if not, like I don't foresee him all of a sudden averaging 16 points a game and, and five rebounds and four. So like it's maybe points, but it's going to be threes and no turnovers. Yeah, look, I think I mean, look, there's a there's a chance I think that he he maybe starts over Josh Hart if they want to keep Hart coming off the bench. They they may go that way. Um, we'll, we'll find out tonight. But yes, he really is just a threes sort of a volume threes guy, like a Sam Merrill or a, a Luke Kanan to some degree. Uh, he, his role is a little more secure when he's not uh, out with some phantom injury. So yeah, look. I don't know, maybe if you're in a deeper league, I'd certainly consider just grabbing him and seeing what happens tonight. Standard league, if all you need is threes and some points, maybe. Um, I was somewhat high on him coming into the season. I thought I thought he might have a decent role and he, he's been pretty ordinary. So, yeah, I'm probably a little bit soured by just the fact that he's done nothing this season. I've got his box score here. Um even when I mean he's played at least twenty minutes in in the last three games, he's got two double digit scoring games, um, but doesn't do much else. So, yeah, maybe, but I, I wouldn't be certain. Um, and then on this was the uh, Mike uh, had the question about Miles Bridges, and he said he was looking at trading Miles Bridges for J Dub. Um, yes, <laughs> yes. I, I think the risk versus reward there is fine. Like I, I don't, I don't think you're even if Bridges isn't traded and you're stuck with or stuck, stuck with J-Dub, I don't think you regret it. I think he is no. probably, they're in the same range anyway. So, right. um, and if and if Bridges is traded and you end up with J-Dub, I think J-Dub is the clear winner, like the clear preference there. Yeah. I mean, like right now over the course of the season, Basketball Monster has Bridges 43, Jalen Williams 46. Bridges, I think his example is like, or situation is pretty unique because if he is traded from Charlotte where he is the main guy to Phoenix, where he's like the fourth scoring option, like, yeah, obviously that he's going to take a pretty massive hit, but we don't really know exactly what that looks like for a number of guys, but getting Jalen Williams, whose role is guaranteed, he's not going anywhere. The thunder aren't bringing in anybody that's going to alter his minutes. Whereas miles bridges could be a number of things. He could stay in Charlotte and shoot a bunch of shots and then get shut down middle of March. Like that's very realistic for Charlotte because they're, not going to make the playoffs or sniff the play-in. So I would absolutely do that trade. I would much prefer Jalen Williams. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, that we, we don't know what the Hornets' plans are for Bridges. Um, if he's not traded, we don't know what their plans are for him in, in March. Um, even if he if he's if he's hanging around, are they going to prioritise him? Are they going to play a lot more of Brandon Miller and these young guys? We just don't know. So, I think we know exactly what, who Jalen Williams is, what his role is, what he does. So, yeah, I, I would certainly make that trade if if it's on the table. If you've offered it, it's been accepted, or someone's offered right. it to you, I, I would be doing that. So, um, that will do. Will bring us to the end of the show uh, for today. What have you got? Coming up this week, um, both, I guess, both for us, for Fantasy Basketball International and for Roto World. Yeah, just another episode of the Tank Me Later podcast uh, tomorrow. 
not sure exactly what that'll consist of yet, um, but I should soon. Um, and then you'll be joining me for the Q&A over at Roto World, which will be exciting. I don't think I've said that anywhere, but I did hype it up last week and say that I was going to have a really exciting guest join me. Um, so everybody's really excited uh, for you to be on there and ask you a lot of really difficult questions. So should be fun. Um, but other than that, just uh, chugging along, excited for the all-star break to get a little bit of a mental reset before we finish out the rest of the regular season. Yep, and then Dynasty will start ramping up. Um, that's, that's what I'm excited for. The off-season content, I feel like, is a lot more fun. Yeah, I, I I mean, it was a space that I was never really part of, that Dynasty off-season space. But having got into it a little bit last season, um, yeah, it was it was fun. Uh, WNBA as well. If, mm-hmm. if you're into WNBA fantasy, I got into that last season as well. And I'm, all, I'm starting to see things popping up on Twitter about players being traded and moved and um, obviously I see a lot on Twitter about Caitlin Clark. Um, oh, and and yeah. yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a fun time, I think, for basketball fans, despite the fact that, as is the case for us, our, our seasons are over in a couple of leagues. There's still a lot happening. So um, that will do it then for today's show. Remember to check out uh, everything, all of our content over at fbibasketball.com. Uh, we're on YouTube. We're on Twitter now. Uh, we're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Like, subscribe, thumbs up, all of that stuff. Um, we're we're going to have plenty of content coming out even when the season comes to an end. Uh, that will do it. Until next time, catch up. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.